0: Thanks for checking out a sermon from First United Methodist Church located in Sheridan, Wyoming. To learn more about who we are, please check out our webpage at fumc
1: The scripture reading this morning is from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 29-39. through 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew, with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, He got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed, and Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of God for the people of God.
0: Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, I ask that the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing and glorifying to you. Amen. So through the the lectionary, we have uh, noticed... That we continue to pick up where we left off from the week before, which means that even after so many weeks of preaching in Mark, we're still only in the first chapter. Only now, uh, we, we join Jesus and the disciples after they leave the synagogue, uh, which is what we talked about last week, the few verses before this. Now, I feel like as we look at these verses today, it's been a while since we've talked about the message that Jesus is bringing, that Jesus is sharing, that Jesus is proclaiming. Uh, And so I thought that it would be important for us to reflect back on that uh, towards the beginning of chapter one. This is uh, verse 15, right after John the baptizer was arrested And now Jesus is entering into his uh, ministry. We hear that the good news uh, Jesus begins to proclaim. And this is the good news that he proclaims. Verse 15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Now, Mark is, is setting up this first chapter, setting up his gospel for us to understand what the kingdom of God will look like and what the values of the kingdom will be or are. So as the, the kingdom of God unfolds, uh, this is what and how we are invited to be a part of it. Now, before we look at the verses this morning, I think there's a couple things that we need to understand first before we jump in. Now, remember, this is taking place in Capernaum, which we described a little bit before, but I want us to understand the population of Capernaum. It is believed that at this moment in the first century, The population is right around 1,500 people, which is just a few hundred more than Ranchester, right? Just to put it into perspective, just a few hundred more than Ranchester. So we are looking at a small town, Capernaum, small town. We understand the dynamics of a small town, right? Right? because we live in a small town. I am not convinced that the dynamics of a small town has changed much over 2,000 years. And so when when we think about what it's like to live in small town, this is where we find this story taking place. So if someone was sick, you would know about it, right? Uh, This is where I give a shameless plug for I appreciate every single phone call, text message that I receive letting me know that someone's sick. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing. Uh, And so we know because we're small town. We're small town. We care for everybody that is in our community, right? Capernaum, I believe, was no different. Now, of course, there's other dynamics that we can talk about in relationship and all of that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking small town. All right. When we consider housing in Capernaum, our houses, for the most part, are not going to look anything like what first century living was like. We have our own, typically we have our own space, we have a yard, uh, and we have a fence around our yard, right? Now, if you're living in a townhouse or an apartment, I would, I would venture a guess or, or suggest that you're living a little bit closer to what it was like living in Capernaum or in the ancient world. Uh, Townhouses is sort of a picture, a modern picture of what I would say, of living in the ancient world. Uh, First, well, second-ish year of marriage, Larissa and I lived in a townhouse uh, and shared a wall with another family. And it was hard to sleep hearing the boombox Next to us. So, so you know, ancient, ancient world. The cl- Houses were close together. They were small. The roads between the homes were narrow. It looked different. Than our wide roads, our wide streets, able to do parades through them. This is a lot smaller than all of that. So so I want us to, to sort of try and put ourselves into a different space to understand this story. Windows in the old time, no glass. They would have had windows still, though. Uh, during the warm months, they would have had wooden lattice across the windows, uh, and that was uh, specifically used to keep robbers out at night so they couldn't just, you know, freely crawl through the window. Uh, but usually during the day that was open, there was no soundproofing. You could still see through uh, the the lattice work because you still want Airflow. Uh, Central AC is a beautiful thing in the summer, isn't it? Not 2,000 years ago. So, this sort of gives us the backdrop as to what is going on here. Uh, no doubt that. In this story, other people have already heard about what happened in the synagogue. Uh, Jesus was teaching, the people were amazed at what he was saying, uh, and then the exorcism happens, right? And so again, we know small town, when something that exciting takes place, doesn't everybody learn about it? because the synagogue is a very public space. There were a lot of other people around. Okay. Now, after this experience in the synagogue, the disciples are going to notice something else happen. The healing of Simon's mother-in-law, which is in a more intimate setting, right? So we have the public setting in the synagogue, and then we have this more Intimate uh, space and setting in the healing of Simon's mother-in-law. Okay, let's jump into the passage now that we have all this other stuff to try and uh, picture and reflect on what's happening here. This scene that we're invited to uh, look at today uh, is with the disciples going over to Simon's house after they are done at the synagogue. Now, we're told that Simon's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. So, for me, it it begs some questions. Was this the reason why they went over to Simon's house? Because his mother-in-law was sick? At this point, it's still real early in Jesus' ministry. Jesus hasn't healed any sick individuals yet. The only thing Jesus has done other than proclaiming this message is exercise a demon in the synagogue. So did the disciples, the the early disciples, expect Jesus to heal her? Did they tell Jesus about her, but didn't ask him to do anything? I don't know. There's a lot of questions there. And Mark isn't really attuned to giving us a bunch of details around how this goes. In fact, in the story, did you hear Jesus say one thing to Simon's mother-in-law? Yeah, neither did I. You know, I wonder, did the disciples all try and squeeze together in that room with Jesus or did Jesus go into the room alone? Did they watch from the door? There's so many questions about this experience that are left unanswered, which more than likely means all those questions that I ask aren't really worth the time. It's okay, thank you. (laughs) What we do notice in this moment is that Jesus is already offering himself. Jesus' ministry is not just for the public eye, but it is also alone inside a house for individuals because the the purpose of this kingdom that Jesus is, is bringing about is to heal. To bring wholeness to people. Which can happen in a crowded space, which we will see here in a moment. But it can also happen in places of solitude. Now, I I said houses look different, right? They look different than uh, the way in which we more than likely uh, envision a house to look like. I would say that even solitude looks different uh, to where we can close a door and we can be by ourselves. With a window of lattice, you can be a fishbowl. You know what I mean by fishbowl? Uh, at, at night, nothing gets underneath my skin more than having the blinds open, it dark outside, and the, every light in the house on. Uh, and, and so even in, uh, in this moment, solitude looks different because I'm sure that people walked the streets. And if the streets were narrower and you could see in the windows then someone is going to notice that Simon's mother-in-law is now hosting Jesus, the disciples, and the rest of the family. Now, I think it's important that we we realize that uh, that, that what Simon's mother-in-law does is an act of love and honor. Hospitality was so, so important. It was not something that she was forced to do when Jesus uh, helps her sit up and she's healed. And what does she do right away? She gets up and serves. Uh, and, and I think we could, we might dance around with a negative view of that, uh, I, I would invite us to recognize the fact of how important hospitality was uh, in Judaism uh, specifically. And so she, uh, in, my, in my view of this, you know, sit up and, and she goes to Sir. I sort of picture in my mind that she jumps out of bed with the biggest smile on her face and goes right to bacon bread. And what, better thing than to be able to do something that you haven't been able to do in a really long time and no doubt have been laying there wishing that you could do it, right? She was the senior woman in the household, which means that Jesus now has given her the ability to fulfill her role in the household and restored her into her position with excitement and she was ready to get back and so no doubt that kind of joy and excitement is what's the word i'm looking for yeah it's healing yeah it's healing it's it's transferable You feel that, don't you? When you are around someone who is expressing exuberance of joy, don't you feel it? So, could you imagine the energy that is coming out of that house that day as people walk by and notice? Because they will. They notice that energy. Seeing the mother-in-law who they knew to be sick with joy and excitement, preparing and serving this meal to her guests and family, that would have been something to talk about. Which then invites us into the rest of this story. Now, I appreciate the fact that Mark is clear that the Sabbath is over. He says the evening, that evening at sundown. Uh, so people are more out and about. Uh, the, this large gathering that takes place is more acceptable uh, through, the, through the lens of the Old Testament law. And so this large crowd gathers in the street for healing. Could you imagine that? Now Mark says the whole town showed up for this. Did they? Or is that just a way of Mark saying, the the roads were packed. There was no way that you were making your way through this street at this moment, at this time. Because people came out to meet this guy, to have him heal. Who knows how many people were there? Maybe it was the whole city. Maybe it felt like it but it must have been electrifying to feel the energy and excitement for what was going on. There was so much excitement built with the healing that the next morning when Jesus wakes up, which you sort of wonder, when did he actually go to sleep? But he wakes up Before everybody else wakes up and goes off by himself to pray. We'll talk about that here in a moment. But the rest of them wake up and Simon and the other disciples go looking for Jesus. And when they find him, they go, everybody is searching for you. Do you... You know, I, I know that I'll read my own emotion into that, but I don't read that as like a, oh, everybody was, is looking for you. I, I read that as a, dude, where have you been? People are looking, they're asking, they're wanting. Jesus' response, hey, let's go to the next town over and bring the message there. Now, it's important that we recognize that, that Jesus needed time to recenter. center He went off by himself to pray, which draws us back, just a few verses before in Mark, uh, to Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, needing himself to be ministered to as well. When the angels cared for him, clearly that night took a lot out of him, and he needed that time to pray. To maybe even heal himself. Which, if Jesus needs to take the time to do that, what's our excuse? Now, Jesus was not healing to seek his own advantage and popularity. Which is what we notice with the disciples uh, at this moment, at this time. People are waiting for you. You gotta come back. Jesus... Did not heal to prove who he was by his acts of authority and power, which is why he silences the demons in the exorcisms. Jesus is healing out of love and compassion for the one that is suffering. Jesus did not come to settle in one town and to be a local healer and a holy man. But he did come to proclaim and demonstrate the coming of the kingdom of God. Which is why then, when the disciples find him, he tells them that it's time to go somewhere else. Because it's time to proclaim the message over there. And along with preaching and teaching the uh, the message of the kingdom, he is also going to continue to do the work of the kingdom too. We can notice in this story that it's a typical day, a typical day in Capernaum, where we go to the synagogue and head for a meal with friends afterwards. Yet look at what happens when God meets us in our day-to-day living, when the kingdom breaks into our day-to-day. When we reflect on this experience ourselves, I wonder what our stories are when experiencing God in day-to-day life how has God revealed God's self to you? How has God brought healing and wholeness to you? And because of that, how do we bring about the kingdom of God in our day-to-day living, demonstrating the love of God around us to bring about healing and wholeness to our community and world. My hope for us is that we experience the kingdom of God in our day-to-day living, remembering Jesus's compassion towards others and experiencing healing ourselves so that we can join God in bringing healing to those around us. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you. We thank you for your presence in our lives. Help us, God. Help us to lean into our relationship with you more. Help us to bring your healing and wholeness not only to our own lives, but to the lives around us. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. We would love for you to join us again for worship in person or online, and we look forward to being with you next time.